Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast. It's time for the season preview with me, Andrew Musgrove, and our Newcastle United editor, Aaron Stokes. We've got a very special guest to look ahead to the new Premier League campaign. Uh, it is Pete Davey from Loaded Mag, NUFC. Welcome, Pete. How are you keeping? Very well, thank you. Um, looking forward to the chat and thank you for having me. You're very welcome. And you're very excited for the new season yet? Cannot wait. Um Super excited for this season. Um, I think it could be one of the best um, that we've had in in a long while. I cannot wait. I'm absolutely buzzing for the new season, guys. I'm not going to lie. Um, you know, it's actually been a shorter summer this summer uh, compared to previous, but it feels like it's been forever. Um, to bring on Villa this weekend, um, come on, we're ready. It's a real test against Villa as well. I'm sure we'll get onto that later in the show. But... I think where we're going to start, Pete, and we may have a, an additional special guest later in the show as well, so hopefully that, that comes up. But I want to start, Pete, with the transfer window and just ask you, are you happy with the business so far? Do you think Newcastle have done enough? Obviously, they've signed Sandro Tonali, they've signed Harvey Barnes, they've signed Tino Levramento. Are you happy with what they've done? I think the key word that you use there, um, Andrew, is uh, so far. Um the business that has come in at this moment in time, I am really pleased with. Um, I think a lot of people, particularly outside of Newcastle United or who support Newcastle United, were were thinking we were going to splash crazy money all over the place, and it just hasn't happened. It's it's been a continuation, in my opinion, of good, smart business, getting the right players at the right price in the right positions to build this this squad of players. Um, so I am really pleased. Um, as you talked about Sandra Tonali, nobody was expecting that. Um, it came really left field. Um, but would I have wanted him? One hundred percent. He's a super talented player, and and we will see that in the coming season. There's no doubt about it. Um, he will shine for Newcastle United once he acclimatizes and settles in. Um, and then we've got Harvey Barnes. Harvey Barnes came with a little bit of a question mark. For, for some sections of the fan base because we were linked to more high-profile players. Um, but Harvey Barnes, obviously being in Leicester and being around a lot of Leicester fans, they they talk about him very, very positively. Not so much now. They got relegated. It's all very negative now. But at the time, they really, really picked him up as probably their most influential player alongside Madison. Um, he is exactly what we needed um, in, uh, in our left-hand side. Um, goals and assists, attacking threat, 
links to play with the strikers. He is everything we needed to really kind of go up a level in our attacking areas and take the emphasis off Isaac and Wilson being the ones to score the goals because uh, he will contribute as he showed this weekend. Um, and then Tino Livramento again, another one that kind of split the fan base to a point because he wasn't the left back that everybody wanted. Um, but he can play there, so Contripia. But in my opinion, um, I, I genuinely think he is the future, not only of Newcastle United, but uh, but England also at 20 years old. Um, we all hope he's over his um, serious ACL injury. I believe he is. And I genuinely think that by the end of this season coming, we are going to be saying, wow, what a serious talent we've got on our hands. So very, very happy uh, with the three signings so far. So far. And it's interesting there you mention, you know, they've prioritised certain positions. We knew that they wanted a defensive midfielder. And then you've also mentioned Tino Livermento there. And I think that's one of the interesting things is that it's not just about looking at current day in Newcastle night, it's planning for the future as well. Because let's be honest, we know Tino Livermento isn't going to get ahead of Kieran Trippier straight away. I mean, I've made a, a, a bold prediction that starting next season, I think he will be Newcastle's number one right back, but that's going to take a bit of time. But they are building for the future as well, Aaron, as fixing the issues that are there in the current day squad. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, one thing that we saw with the Tino Livermento deal is they're actually, um, they're buying players in positions that, you know, maybe aren't a priority. You know, everybody's spoken about a new centre-back being needed or a brand new left-back. And actually they've gone out and, and signed a player in a position where no one really thought they'd go this summer. Um, we've obviously seen with Livermento, you know, 20 years of age. We've seen with Grand Kowal last summer, uh, Yakuba Minter earlier this summer. They're putting real emphasis on signing top, you know, top quality youngsters for the future, so that they don't have to keep going out and spending, you know, fifty, sixty million on ready-made players. So, very exciting. I'm looking forward to seeing Livermore. I'm hoping he's going to get plenty of game time um, behind Trippier this season, uh, as well as looking forward to the other two that they've signed this summer. For you, Pete, who stands out of the three that they've signed? Who stands out for you? Um, tough one. Um. I'm I'm gonna say I'm 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 gonna say Sandro Tonali. Um he may not stand out this season for us in comparison to the other two, but I think he stands out because he's a deal that I genuinely didn't think that we'd be able to get done. Pulling him out of his boyhood club in AC Milan, semi-finalist in the Champions League, um, a regular starter and contributor to their team. I just didn't think we'd get him out of there. Um, let alone for £55 million, which for me, I think in a couple of years' time, we're going to be looking at it being a bargain. It's a, it's a massive statement, isn't it, to persuade him to give up all that that you've you've said there. Do you think he will be bedded in like Bruno Gomesh was, like Isaac was, you know, wasn't thrown, they weren't thrown straight into the starting eleven, Or do you think Saturday's lineup against Aston Villa, which is the talk of the town, will it have Sandro Tonali in from the off? It's an interesting one. It's a really good question, Andrew. And uh, I, I had this conversation with Chris, one of the loaded lads, because uh, in my mind, I, I, I'm thinking, you bought this guy, 55 million. He's a quality player. We need him into the team, especially with the situation, let's not forget, with Willock and Longstaff not really playing a lot during preseason. You think, 
we need him in, we need him settled and playing regular as quickly as possible. But you've made a really good point, and and you know, Chris made this point as well, and he said it's not what Eddie Howe does. Bruno Gomerus took six games before he actually started and and then embedded himself into the team. We did it with the you know Botman, for example, at Forest last first game of the season. Only came on for the last five minutes. He didn't start. They went with Burn. So you, you're looking at that and you're thinking, mm, you know, are they going to do the same again? So I've kind of changed my mind on that. And actually, I, I do think he may not start the season. I think Eddie Howe may well ease him in. But then the, the big question is, is that who, who starts ahead of him? Well, this is it. It's, when you look back at Bruno's introduction to Newcastle, it wasn't just a case that Eddie Howe was trying to give him time to settle. It was also very much the case that every single player in that position stepped up. You had Willick, Longstaff, Joe Linton really on good form. And you've got it again here with the likes of Ali Anderson, Lewis Miley, Joe Linton. Of course, Bruno is just going to start regardless against Villa. But Eddie Howe has so many options in the centre and he has so many players who are really saying to him, I deserve to start. And... I'm going to have to say that word again that I always get grief for. It's so refreshing that we're sitting here saying a £55 million signing, he's not guaranteed to start because you've got so many people who who, who actually do genuinely deserve a start. I've gone for Elliot Anderson in the middle alongside Julian and Bruno. You, Aaron? Yeah, I think it'll I think it'll probably be the same. I think it's a bit of a luxury for you how at the minute that, you know, I think anybody that watched Tenali in America when he's playing those Premier League teams saw that he was maybe a little bit off the pace. I think... We can all agree his best performance of pre-season was against Rangers where Newcastle absolutely dominated the ball. He also had a very good game on Saturday where he was playing a team that he's probably played you know, 20 times over the years. Um, but I think, you know, reading between the lines of what Eddie Howe said last weekend, you know, he said that he does maybe need a little bit more time to get up to speed with the English game. But that doesn't matter because, as you say, Bruno's going to be in there. Joe Linton's had a fantastic pre-season. And Elliot Anderson has actually, you know, knocked that door down now. And I think he'll be very, very disappointed if he doesn't start on Saturday. So, as, as Pete touched on, you know, it was sixth game until we saw Bruno from the start. Um, and we saw, we're seeing a similar thing here where he maybe just needs a little bit of time to get up to speed. I think it'll be Bruno, Joe Linton and Anderson from the from the start on Saturday. Who are you picking, Pete, to start? Um, you know what? I'm inclined to agree with, uh, with you both. I think it could well be... Um, Bruno, Joe Linton and Anderson. But the interesting thing for me, I, I'm going to throw this back to you, I apologise. Um, but who starts on the left of the, of the midfield three? Because Anderson's played there and been sensational there in pre-season in a midfield three. But we know that's Joe Linton's position too. So, you know, who who starts there and who is almost, says, says it like quite harshly, who is almost sacrificed to the right-hand side? It's a great question, and I, I, what I'd love to know as well, if if the, the people listening to this podcast and listening to you guys on Loaded Mag and UFC and, and all the countless other great podcasts covering Newcastle that are out there, are you guys getting sick of this debate, or are you absolutely loving it? Because this week is all going to be about who starts in the centre and who starts out on the left, and it'll just roll and roll and roll until, what, 4.30 on, on Saturday afternoon. Do you know, we spoke about this on Monday's episode of the podcast, and I said, I wouldn't be surprised to see Anthony Gordon start, but it depends on him having a stormer of a, of a week in training, simply because Harvey Barnes scored on the weekend and Gordon didn't. And I think that's what it will come down to. Who are you backing 
to score the goals because we know Villa is going to be a really big test. I haven't moved on from that. I don't think it'll be Anderson. I think it'll be one of Gordon or Barnes. I still think it'll be Gordon ahead of Barnes. What about you, Aaron? Uh, I think it'll be Barnes over Gordon out on the left. I think, you know, he looked very, very sharp in the, the Seller Cup game. Uh, in terms of, you know, who plays on the left of the centre, I think, I think, look, we've seen Joel Linton play there a lot, but I think we've also seen him play on the right. We haven't really seen too much of Anderson out in that little, you know, right pocket with Miggy and, and Trippier around him. We know Bruno plays it so well, but, you know, you can't really see Anderson or Joel Linton sitting against Villa. So, Again, you know, we're, we're saying that's a three that's going to start, but we even we don't know, you know, in what position. So, you know, I don't I don't envy any hell this week. Yeah, well, it's just a great, great task to have. I mean, who would you be starting here on the left wing and, and, and also the left of the midfield? Um, for me, both have been excellent during pre-season, um, Gordon and um, more recently Barnes, but I, I'd go for Barnes. Um, Barnes has already, although he's not had a full preseason with us, he's had a full preseason. Yeah, week where I think he was kind of on the verge of a move to us, where he wasn't training with Leicester. But you look what he's been doing since he's since he's been playing for us. Like uh, in particular against Villarreal, he, the lad looks ready. And you, the, the one thing, and, and talk about the Fiorentina game. I thought, um, I thought um, Anthony Gordon was fantastic. But the only thing, and I said it time and time again to the person I sit next to, the thing that he was missing is the final product, was the finish. That was the only thing that was missing. What we saw on Sunday with Harvey Barnes is that he's got that in abundance. Um, and you're always confident that when he gets an opportunity to score, he puts it in the net. So for me, I, I'm, I'm going with Barnes. I do worry that Gordon's kind of going to be, he's going to fall into that Almiron trap when Almiron just could not score for love and the money. You know, he hit that post against Huddersfield, didn't he, on his debut. And then that was kind of the, the, the sliding doors moment. And I know Gordon scored against Chelsea, wasn't it? But I do feel he needs to start grabbing his opportunities, scoring these goals, because I think it'll then get into his head if he doesn't. And as we said, I think it will come down to who you're backing to score. To score. And you're right, Harvey Barnes proves he you know has proved he can do it already in a black and white shirt or a, what was it a blue shirt this wasn't it against yeah. Villarreal yeah um so it's it's an interesting one and it's it, I suppose it leads into to the next question that we've got written down here. Yeah I mean you know we're talking now about having loads of options on the left and one of the options we would have had earlier in the summer was Alan St Maximum. He's obviously gone he's already scoring goals out in Saudi Arabia Pete, how are you feeling about that move? Do you think it's the right move for Newcastle to get him out of the club and, and Harvey Barnes in? Uh, I, was I hoping can't tell you what your answer's going to be. Yeah, you're looking very, very happy, but I, I don't know if it's no, like... Um, we talk about this a lot on our channel and I'm I'm, I'm a big Maxi fan, uh, a big, big Maxi fan. And I've kind of fought his corner for the last sort of year, 18 months. Um, and it was really, really sad let him, to, to see him go. Um, yeah, it was a sad situation, but it was one that had to happen. Um, he had to leave in order for the club to progress. And I think by the end of it, I think he understood that, the club understood that. Um, and that's why it ended so positively and amicably. And they spoke equally about each other in, in such a positive light. Um, it had to happen, but it sounds harsh, even though I, I love Maxine, we, we, we have upgraded. With Harvey Barnes coming in, that's that's the reality. And the one thing I I, I said on, on on our channel, 
uh, and I maintain this, is that I think this is the reason why it was such a big talking point with Alan Maximum leaving is because this is the first time that we've had someone leave the club that we genuinely would have liked to have kept. The players that we've had leave the club previously over the years have been players that we've either been begging to leave or their contracts ran out or we, we wanted them sold in order to gain money to go elsewhere and we weren't really bothered about them staying. He is a person that we wanted to stay in. It's something that we're going to have to get used to. Um, you know, we're going to have to get used to players that we actually like and we and, and have contributed and we respect and we want the best for leaving the club for the benefit of the club. Um, so it's the first, but for me, um, as a fan base, I think we may have to get used to this because it because it won't be the last. Hello there, Andrew Musgrove here. I do hope you're enjoying the show so far. Just a quick interruption to point you in the direction of our latest live event. Yes, the award-winning Everything is Black and White podcast is going out in front of a live audience once again. We'll be at the Tyneside Irish Centre on Wednesday, August the 30th, and we really hope you can join us. We've got a fantastic panel. We've got the familiar faces in Lee Ryder, Kieran Kelly and Aaron Stokes. BBC Radio Newcastle's Matthew Raisbeck once again joins us. And alongside those, we've got the Times Henry Winter. And what a time to be talking about Newcastle United. Because just 24 hours later, the Champions League draw takes place. And then just a few days after that, the transfer window closes. So we'll be talking about all about Newcastle's summer business. And there's been quite a bit of that so far. And of course, the Premier League season will be underway. So we could be talking, potentially, about Newcastle being top of the Premier League. Who knows? It's a dream worth having now to secure your ticket hit the link in the description do it right now there you go click on through and secure your ticket for what will be a fantastic night we are making a donation to two really important northeast charities the sir boy robson foundation and the newcastle fans food bank you're going to help out those what a fantastic couple of causes we hope to see you on wednesday august 30th let's get back to the show yeah you gotta trust the process haven't you and i, I think Maxi's exit actually reaffirmed just how well Miguel Almiron has done on, on the other flank. Because if you talk about Miguel Almiron before uh, last season, you, you were describing probably as inconsistent no-end product. And that's what got thrown down uh, Maxi as well. One has erased that from his uh, reputation. The other, unfortunately, in my opinion, didn't. And that's why we've seen, seen him go out the door. How are you... Rating Almiron this season. Obviously, he's going to start on Saturday, barring some sort of injury this week. They haven't gone out and got another right winger, another right attacker. He's he's had a storm of a pre-season as well, which will be brilliant for his, his confidence going into the new season. Do you see him carrying on the good form that we saw in the first half of last season? Um, what I'll say is, is that I hope so. Um, I'm not as confident that he will hit the heights that he did in that first half of the season this season. Um, I think he'll still have a good season. I think he'll still score goals here and there. I'm not sure if we're going to see him hit those sorts of heights, but I hope so. And the reason the reason why I say I hope so is because you look at what happened with Alan St. Maxman um, and we've gone out and replaced him and up-leveled. I genuinely believe that we'll do the same. Um, if if Miggy doesn't have the season, if he doesn't have the same type of season again, whether it's a purple patch or consistently over the season where he's scoring goals, assists, contributing to the team, 
I genuinely think that whether it's January or whether it's the end of the season, 2024, I genuinely think that he might well be in the firing line for to be replaced and an upgrade come in. Because like you said, a lot of fans are already questioning why did we not get a right winger? We, we needed to give him more severe competition. But it could well mean that it spells the end of his time at Newcastle if he doesn't perform um, uh, this season. So I think the pressure the pressure's on him to, 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 to recreate what he did. It'd be relishing, isn't it? I mean, he needed those goals in the preseason. He's looked like the army one that we just saw at the start of last season. I think even if he has a really good season, I still think we'll see a right winger come in and rival him for that position. I was going to ask you later in the show, Pete, for a bold Newcastle United prediction, uh, not like where they're going to finish, but like something about a player, something about the club. I'll give you an example. My bold prediction. Are you ready for this, Aaron? Miguel Almiron will get 20-plus goals across oh, all competitions God. this season. Ooh! Gone for it. How, how, <laughs> for just, it. Are you feeling right? I've gone for it, right? Hey, I'm here. I don't, I don't, I don't, you know, walk on eggshells. Pete, you got a bold Newcastle United prediction? <laughs> I don't know if it'll be as bold as, as what you just said, uh, but I will... Um, okay. My bold prediction is Harvey Barnes will get 20 Premier League goals this season. We're loving these uh, these these double figures, yeah. So, hang on, Almiron's getting 20, Barnes is getting 20. You know, <laughs> I didn't say Biggie. Should I go, should I go long stuff again? <laughs> uh, I, think, I think for me, I think just speaking about long stuff, I think Sean Longstaff will play... 30-plus Premier League games this season. I think he will keep a lot of these midfielders that we're talking about out of the squad this season. Is that, that's your bold that's prediction? That's my bold prediction. might not be as bold as yours, but I think Longstaff will play a lot more than people think he will. Really. Interesting, because, I mean, there was a point last season where Scott McTominay was going to play more games than Sean Longstaff in Newcastle shirt. Yeah, next question. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Harvey Barnes coming in is just brilliant. You know, to score that many goals in a, in a relegated side... Uh, that he did it did at Leicester. Best years ahead of him. He's already hit the ground running. It's just really exciting to. I think back someone on the on the left who can get goals. You always felt with Maxi, you might try one too many tricks or you might not make the right decision. Whereas I think you look at Harvey Barnes and you know he's going to put the ball where it needs to be. Almiron's not quite there, but I think you're going to get goals from from both flanks. Uh, and it's just, I think maybe my concern is it's just the middle of the park. I felt towards the end of last season and in preseason at times, there's been a lot of space. I'm not worried about scoring goals and, and that. I'm just a little bit worried about whether this the, the, the gaps that we saw in, in certain games does that continue into the new season? And if it does, you know, you're going to leave yourself open to a bit of punishment. I guess that is where Longstaff comes into play, though. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be difficult this season because we had you know last season when Newcastle were doing so well and the midfield looked so strong, you only really had four players interchanging and that was Bruno, Joel Linton, Willock and Longstaff. Whereas now, you know, we're talking about throwing Tonali straight into the mix, we're talking about throwing Elliot Anderson into the mix, who, you know, won't give as much defensively as those other midfield players do. Um and you know it's the old saying, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, then well. You know, this season we're going to see a completely different midfield. Will it work? I hope so. 
But as you touched on Pete earlier, it might just take Tenali a season to get up to speed with England. You know, how much of a how much game time is Elliot Anson going to get? Can Joe Willock get back into this team? You know, how much is Sean Langstaff going to play? There's real questions now in that midfield, which is obviously brilliant for Eddie Howe. But at the same time, they did so well last season, you know, you know, when it was just that four in the middle. It's interesting, Pete, what you mentioned about Almiron, and obviously I agreed with you, the fact that his days could be numbered at Newcastle. We're fast forward to to, the, to next summer. I'm just going to ask you about Joe Willick, a big fan of Joe Willick, but I think one of the things that concerns me is the lack of goals. He doesn't score enough goals for the positions he gets into, for the clear talent he's got. And I'm not talking about that that crazy run he went on when he scored about 100,000 goals in four games. I'm, I'm just talking about a, a good average number of goals. I think, what did he get last season? Three, was it? Yeah. For top of my head. That's not enough for a player of his quality and a player in this Newcastle United squad who are, are, you know, who are improving every window. What do you see this season holding out for him? And of course, it's been disrupted already by the injury that, he, that he's picked up. It has. Um Joe Willett's got it all to do. Uh, I'll be honest. Uh, it's interesting. We've just just been chatting away about the midfield. The midfield going into this summer was the one um, was the one position where we said that we need to strengthen. We, we, we've got a couple of areas we need to strengthen. Now you're probably looking at it is the strongest area of the pitch where we've got at least six, seven players to choose from um, to fill three positions. Like we we are strong there, and and for Joe Willock, who's not kicked a ball in preseason, I think has now been confirmed that he's not going to be available for the Aston Villa game as well. He he has it all to do, and when he comes back, as you said quite rightly, and when he comes back, he can't just be putting in the performances he did last season. He needs to be adding goals to his game. He needs to be putting his name. On the, on the score sheet um, in some way, shape or form, either putting it in the net or, or creating, because we now have players that are likely to do that. We know Joe Linton, what, he scored seven, eight goals last season. Um, you, you, you've got Bruno that will always contribute. On top of that, you have, you know, and you've got someone in Sandro Tonali that with his delivery and his passing range will create chances for the strikers. There's no doubt about it. So where does... Joe Willock fit into that. He needs to create a position or a moment for himself to be to be that guy. And that's why, in my opinion, he has it all to do. But that's why I think Elliot Anderson is going to get a lot more opportunities than people might, might think. Because he, for me, looks like the one who will score goals in that midfield. You can't really rely on Sean Longstaff. Bruno does chip in, but it's not as forte. Joe Linton, okay, has found his, his goal sh- uh, scoring boots, but I think Anderson's the one you back coming from that midfield three to get goals, and that's why I think he'll start on Saturday, and I think that's why we'll see him, I think, hold on to his place. And the likes of Tenali, it sounds utterly bizarre to say, it, given you know the reputation of the man and the, the other players. They'll have a fight to get Anderson out of that starting eleven. In my, in my opinion. Yeah, he needs to have a good start this season. You know, I will agree he's been fantastic pre-season. He's got himself into fantastic positions. He looks stronger, more confident, fitter. But all of a sudden, if, you know, he suddenly drops off again when the season starts, then, you know, he's going to quickly lose his place in that midfield. But look, as I say, I think, you know, the signs are promising. Um, and yeah, we've just got to hope that he can do it on the big stage now. He looks comfortable and he looks at home. I think... You look at someone like Alex Murphy, who's performed well. 
you can kind of see he's got a little bit of way to go yet before you say right, you're you're able to start Premier League games. Lewis Miley, he's been brilliant, but again, he's going to need a bit more develop. Whereas Elliot Anderson just looks at home. You know, he's he obviously has been working really hard. He's been in the gym. He looks like he's he has his buffed out. He just looks ready. He really does, and it's it's a really exciting time to have someone so young and you know who's got a big future ahead of him. Um, what is left to be done in the transfer market, Pete? Where next? Where do Newcastle need to strengthen? Very clear for me. Um, we need uh, we need a starting right centre back. Um, that's the area that I really do feel we need to strengthen in. Um, no disrespect to Jamal Lascelles. Eddie Howe talked talked him up quite nicely in 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 the states during the tour, um, and quite rightly so for what he's done for the club. But I am not. That's an area where I'm not fully confident in. I have to be honest, and and for a couple of reasons. One, um, I for where we're going and where we're competing, I just don't think Jamal Lascelles is at a level, in my opinion, um, to be to be fighting on that front. If we if we call if we're going to need to call upon him, um, it could be a weak area that is exposed. Um, but equally, Fabian Shaw, as we already know, he's going into the season where we're a few days away, and there's a question mark of whether he's going to be fit, and I worry about that. He he was very lucky last season. The amount of times that we we joked about it on the channel, Daz in particular, he, we'd always joke about the fact that he's always down injured during the game, and you're always worried about whether he's going to come off or not. And it was very clear Eddie Howe and Shaw talked about it that there were games last season where he was kind of limping through. Um, and, and playing sort of 70, 80% fit. We can't have that when we're fought, fighting on four fronts. So I, I do think we need a, a first choice starting right back to come in. He may not start initially when signed, but like Botman and many others that we've talked about, they'll work their way into the team and become a starter because they're ready to do that. I do think that needs to be done. Um, and then there's the big question mark of, do we need a left back? Um, do we need a starting left back now? Um, is that a young left back, um, or is it someone that's more established? Is it a loan left back that with a view to buy? I don't know, but I, I, I am, if you're asking me, those two positions scream out to me of positions that need to be strengthened um, going into the season. It's interesting, Pete, that you say you want it to be a starting centre back, and and you know a lot of people. Um, agree with you that they need you know more reinforcements in that position. But if it's Fabian Cher and Sven Botman starting on the first day of the season, you know, does that fill you with confidence? Or do you think, you know, you would like to see it be somebody else in Botman, maybe not a villa, but you know, after August is done, would you like Cher to become the backup? Great question. Um, I I would not have an issue with with Shaw and Botman starting. Um, but if you'd have asked me this time last year, I wouldn't have had an issue with Burn and Shaw starting. Um, but Botman's come in. Botman is significantly better in that position. And for me, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking forward here in the future and the development of the team and the squad in that Fabian Shaw has been outstanding. He was one of our best performers last season. But he's coming up to, if he's not already, 32. So we need to forward plan. We need to look ahead. So for me, bringing in a centre-back now that can start in kind of 
behind Shaw, but then when given the chance, prove that he's the first choice centre-back and then take on that position and there'd be a natural transition like there was with Botman and Byrne last season. That's what I would like because that it shows it shows it shows forward planning. It shows a nice transition of players, um, but also it shows competitiveness. It shows that these players are fighting for their position. And they have to perform in order to keep their place. Um, Byrne did exactly that with Target last season. He wasn't wasn't starting at left back, but made that position his own, and rightly so, and outperformed Target massively. Um, and we need to keep that going. We, I, I don't want us as a team or as a squad to sit on our laurels. I want us to be constantly look to develop and and kind of you know evolve and become better um, over the season. Um, and bringing in these players, right centre back in particular, will will do that in my opinion. Newcastle have been linked, and well, well, we know they really like Anderson from from Crystal Palace, but a forty million pound price tag is is on his head. 27, when, when you're talking about a, a player coming in to play at centre-back, is tw- is 27 the kind of age where it, it's it's still young enough to be that person who can take the team forward? Or are you looking for someone a bit maybe like, I don't know, Mark Gay from Palace who's 23 and he's got more years ahead of him? I'm just wondering what age bracket are you, are you, are you looking at, do you think? Um, no, it's, it's an interesting one because... I haven't got an issue with his signing a 27-year-old because I think, like what Shaw's done with his, if you sign someone at 27 and you get five years of really good quality level football out of them, you think of where we could potentially be in five years. Like That would be a great stint for someone um, to come in at that age. So I've not got an issue with that. But I think, but I do think with value, with a younger player, um, value that you buy them with and certainly value that you could potentially create if you were then to sell them on um, is within the club's thinking. So I do think like Mark Gay, I think would, if you ask me who I would want out of Joachim Anderson and Mark Gay, Mark Gay all day uh, for me, I think he would be, not only is he the better centre-back in my opinion, I think he could then take us on he could potentially start for England and and take us on into into a, a new level. But Joachim Anderson right now wouldn't be a bad signing. I just have a question mark of the fee that they would want. So you've just took, you just mentioned Andrew forty million. For me, I don't think forty million is value for money. I, I wouldn't pay that personally. I don't think I'd go anything beyond sort of early 30s in terms of price that I would pay for your Anderson. I just wouldn't. Um, I think there are better, younger um, centre-backs out there with, with greater potential than Joachim Anderson that we could get for £40 million. It's just my opinion. And just touching on some of the youth players that are coming through, Pete, I mean, you know, we've just waxed lyrical about Elliot Anderson, who's, you know, taken away the need to go and sign another midfielder behind Tenali. We've spoken a little bit about Alex Murphy, who had a very good pre-season. We haven't even touched on, I mean, we're over half an hour in, we haven't even spoke about Lewis Miley, who, you know, was one of the standout characters in pre-season. In terms of the youngsters that you've seen over the summer, who who is the one that's sort of catching your eye the most? Who are you looking forward to seeing, you know, get his chance in the first team this season? 
Um, the three that you've mentioned are the three that I'm really, really intrigued about. Um, Lewis Miley, um, Eddie Anderson, and, and Alex Murphy. Um, Alex Murphy really, really surprised me uh, in a nice way against uh, Fiorentina because he looked absolutely seamless alongside Botman. Um, he never seemed troubled, confident on the ball, left-footed, but equally was able to be confident enough to play on his right. Um, it actually opened up the dimensions in, in his, his ability to switch the ball because he had his left foot on the right-hand side. Um, and he made an absolute, like, colossal clearance um, in the second half. Uh, a ball was whipped in really deep. Dubravka, really, I think, really should have come and collected it. But um, Murphy comes in right at the back post. Their player would have just tapped it into an empty net and managed to flick it on for a clearance. Just really, really, you know, really, really good defender. And for such a young lad, I think he's got a, he's got a bright future at Newcastle. Um, Elliot Anderson has been superb. Um, I'm really intrigued to see how he develops this season. Um, can he break into the first team? Can he be a regular in the first team? Can he nail down that position and do what Byrne and, and Botman have done and said, this is my position. You have to play better than me to dislodge me. That's what I want to see from him this season. Because if he does that, I think he could then stay there for the next 10 years. Like, that's how good he could be. And everyone talks about him being a left-hand side of the forward line. I think he's made this position in the midfield three his own. Um, he's just got to show it in the games that matter, which is the Premier League, the Champions League, the cup competitions. That's what I want to see with him. However, Lewis Miley, I was lucky enough to be there for his debut at Stamford Bridge last game of the season. Honestly, um, I am super excited about this lad. I really am. He came on at Stamford Bridge and he gave Enzo Fernandez the runaround um, in the short period of time he was on the pitch. So unlucky not to score, hit the bar um, and just oozed confidence, receiving the ball in tight spaces, not afraid to want the ball, calling, demanding it at times. Um, whether it's short passes. Some players, when they come on and they're making their debut, they're just playing little short passes just to like get a feel for things. He's playing the ball long. He's playing it short. He's coming deep. He's, sorry, coming yeah, deep to receive the ball, going long, arriving in the area. He really has the lot. And, and he developed that in the preseason because not only, did he develop, not only did he continue all of those things that I've talked about with his ability on the ball, he then took on the responsibility of being on number six and he started in games in pre-season as the number six and he took that responsibility in and breaking up play, um, distributing play left and right and really kind of made that position his own during pre-season. Um, I'm just so impressed. He's just turned 17 years old. You know, we're talking about Elliot Anderson right now at 20 and what he's doing. I personally think that Lewis Miley is ahead of Elliot Anderson's progression at 17 now. And you think where he would be in three years' time if he continues to develop. Um, I, I'm, uh, uh, um, I made, speaking to friends last night, I made a, a, a comparison, um, maybe a, an outlandish one, but I'm putting it out there anyway. I see the way he performs at 17 very similar to Jude Bellingham and what he did at Birmingham. Um, the confidence, the creativity... Um, the the awe around him on a pitch for someone that's so young, he has that. The great thing about 
Lewis Miley is that he's got established quality international players around him to elevate his game probably and potentially quicker than Jude Bellingham did. The only thing I have is that is he going to get the football that Jude Bellingham had? He didn't have the quality around him at Birmingham, but he had the games and he had the experience because he was thrown into that position. He won't get that at Newcastle in our first team, not unless he breaks down all those walls. So that's, for me, he's the one I'm really intrigued about because, for me, I haven't seen a player with this much potential come through um, in the 30 years I've, I've supported Newcastle. I'd say, I mean, yeah, I don't think many people will, will argue with you there, Pete. I don't think Eddie Howe will be afraid to use my... I, I certainly think Eddie Howe's got a headache when it comes to Lewis Miley and Elliot Anderson. I think, I think Eddie Howe probably would have banked on Elliot Anderson having a good pre-season and being ready to really play a part this season. I'm not sure whether he would have uh, put his house on, on on Miley doing as well as as he as he has done. And I think he has got food for thought. And, you know, we're talking there about the midfield and, you know, we, I've laid out who I think will start, who I would pick. But if Miley gets the nod, is anyone going to turn their nose up at it? Because, as you said, he made Enzo Fernandez look like a second-rate midfielder, and he's looked at home against some some good good sides. You've described how good he is on the ball. He's confident. He gets stuck in. He's not afraid to get his foot into the challenge. I don't think he will start against Villa, but I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that he doesn't. No, I mean, yeah, I, I would agree. I think, I, Peter, just on your point about getting the minutes like Bellingham did in the Championship, you know, it's commendable that um, Eddie Howe isn't going to load him out. He wants to keep him around. But at the same time, you know, we said the same about Elliot Ellie Anderson last season after that amazing loan spell. And Anderson really struggled for minutes. He struggled for starts last season. Um, so I hope we don't see the same Lewis Miley. Just on your point there about Bellingham, I think I think I agree. You know, that scope is definitely there. I love the fact that he's, he's so big and leggy but he's you know so comfortable on the ball and you know he makes it look easy um look i don't think they'll start going to Aston Villa, but as you say if he was to be thrown in you know and how was to take a risk i don't think people would be too you know too concerned about it great to be just having that conversation about someone so young potentially starting uh in terms of uh the rest of the squad then then pete i'm going to ask you for your kind of picks for various different things and we'll start with one, you've, you've kind of already answered, but we'll just get a, a tiny bit more detail. The player you're most looking forward to seeing in the new season? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to stick with this. Um, really, really excited um, to see Harvey Barnes um, in a Newcastle shirt. Really, really intrigued uh, to see how he gets on and yeah, hopefully score a lot of goals uh, in the black and white. For me, it's Alexander Izak. I'm just excited to see him have a full season. He's had a full preseason. He's looked electric. He's he's boosted by the fact he's got a very good striker who he has to compete with for his place in, in the starting eleven. I think he'll start against Villa. I think they'll end up rotating the strikers though based on who they're playing. And I think both will accept that and be happy with that. But for me, Alexander Izak, unaffected by Injuries just going to be unbelievable. And we're talking about players getting 20 goals a season. This man, screw it, he's getting 20 goals as well. <laughs> what about you, Aaron? I don't know if I can pick one. You know, I really, really don't know if I can pick one. I, I get your point. Pete Harvey Barnes is, you know, such an exciting signing. Um, 
I think it's going to be an absolute, you know, refreshing to use Andrew Musco's favourite phrase to say go scored from the left, you know, not just the right like Miggy last season. Isaac, you know what it is? It's not even his goal scorer. It's just watching him with the ball at his feet. You know, Thierry Henry, yes, the way he's taking defenders on and making the ball stick with him. You know, two, you haven't mentioned Joe Linton. He just looks like, you know, how does he keep improving from what he's done in the, the game before? And Bruno as well, you know, he's had a little bit of an off preseason by his lofty standards. He's looked a bit off the pace in America. But, you know, I'm really looking to see if he can kick on again in this team. And, you know, he's finally going to get a play in the Champions League like, like he's wanted to. So the, the, there's just too many to, to narrow it down to one, I'm afraid. And it says something that no one there has said to Nari. I know you've said Harvey Barnes, their people. We've listed several players who are already part of this Newcastle United squad and have been for, for a few seasons. That shows you how well they're doing that. We're sitting here saying, okay, we're looking forward to seeing Joe Linton again. We're looking forward to seeing Isaac. And long may their form continue. Who will be the key man? Now, I think one of us three may say Bruno Gomeresh. I'm going to go with Joe Linton. Sure. I think Joe Linton is, he was player of the season last year for me. I think he's going to be absolutely crucial again this season. He just he just has everything about him. And it's it seems strange again to be saying that, considering how his time on Tyneside started. But he's very nearly the complete midfielder, I think. And I, I, I think he's going to be absolutely key to what Newcastle achieve this season. What about you, Pete? I'm, I'm going to go with someone different. Um, I'm going to go with Sven Botman. Um, I think Sven Botman, in his development as a you know 23 year old signing, um, I, I, I believe he'll get his international recognition this season with, with, with Holland. Um, and I think, and I hope to see some real leadership skills being developed with with, with Botman. Um, to potentially be a, a, a future captain of the club, um, so I, I think he will take on those responsibilities this season and um, and and really kind of lead the team to victories. Uh, I'm not saying we're going to get as many clean sheets. I hope we do as last season, but I think he could be really integral um, in in us getting over the line in certain matches, potentially in the Champions League as well, because he has that experience. He's played there and got to the latter stages. Oh, certainly. And Eddie Howe mentioned on Saturday after the game against Florentina about how Sven Botman was helping Alex Murphy. And we mentioned this on Monday. It's, it's great for Eddie Howe to be saying that. And then you then you have that realisation. Botman's still only 23 himself and he's shown these leadership skills, which are going to be crucial for not just like Sir Murphy, but for Newcastle as a whole. For you, Aaron, the key man? I'm going to go Alexander Izak, I think, as you said. If you can keep him fit for a full season, you saw the goals he scored after being out for half a season last year. If he can do that across, you know, an eight or nine month period, I think, you know, Newcastle Knight are going to be an absolute force. Um, Honourable mentions, you know, Trippier, I think, you know, he will be absolutely key to what Newcastle do this season. Bruno, as we've touched on, Joel Linton, who was, you know, player of the season the last year. But yeah, Isaac for me. Well, what you're learning here, Pete, is that Aaron can't just pick one person. He likes sitting on the fence. Okay. This is the new okay. look of United. There's too many good players and good options to, to choose. Don't come to Aaron for, for like a one-name answer. I'm okay. greedy. What can I say? Uh, <laughs> we have a few on our channel, so don't worry. Uh, <laughs> the surprise package of the season. I always like this one. I always like picking, especially at the end, when he was the, he was the surprise package. Um, do you know what? Who, who surprise package? I'm tempted to say like Matt Target, 
I think Eddie Howe has given him a lot of time in preseason, and I can't work out whether it's because it's like this is your final chance and you really have to step up now, or whether he's actually thinking he's going to start him ahead of Dan Byrne. I'm not sure. I mean, mm, I'm, I'll, let me think about it. I'm going to throw you at, at you, Peter. Come on, who's your surprise package going to be? Okay. Um, <clears throat> it's a difficult think, one, you know. I think our surprise package... Oh, I've just thought someone else is taking the office. Okay, I'm going to stick with what we're going to go to. Um, my, our surprise package, I think, will be... Callum Wilson. Hello. And the reason why I say that is because, as you boys have quite rightly said, um, Alexander Isaac seems to be the guy, and, and should be. He's on. He should be our number one striker this season. But I still think he, Callum Wilson is going to score fifteen goals this season. Scoring so many that, goals this season. <laughs> I, I think he, he'll he'll still get without starting many matches he'll still get 15-plus goals this season, which is why I think he could be the surprise package. I'm just doing a bit of maths here. So that's 20, 20, 20. That's 60. <laughs> plus another 15. That's 75 goals out from four players. Screw it. Newcastle are going to win the Premier League Please. title. They're going to score <laughs> that many goals. So, uh, on the surprise package, do you know what? Because Dan Byrne was clearly the surprise package of last season. I'm just wondering, have, have we run out of surprises? Like, Do we know just how good these players are? We know that they're, they're good. We know that how well they perform, and you, there aren't going to be any more surprises. Well, there's one that I had in my mind, and and Livermento could be the surprise package potentially yeah, as well, because everyone's expecting, and quite rightly so, because he's he's our cap, he's our captain, and he was outstanding last season. Trippier to be the starter at right back, but. Who's to say that Livermento doesn't come in and absolutely blow people away and you can't drop him? Who's to say that that's not the case? Like, he could be the surprise package. He was he was the initially the guy I was going to go to, but I'll stick with Wilson. But there is surprise packages there. Young, the, the, the young lads, surprise yeah. packages. Alex Murphy, for example. If we have Char out for a period of time, Lascelles injured or leaves the club, could he come in and be that centre-back? There are, there are always, there's always going to be surprise packages somewhere, um, no matter how good we are, because um, I just think that we're using our team, our squad, really, really well. Um, and the one thing with Eddie Howe that we didn't do under Mike Ashley is that we... Eddie Howe's not afraid to throw in a young player. He's not afraid to throw in a young lad and just say, you know what, go for it, I believe in you and do the business because every big club does that you look at marcus rashford for example at manchester united he got thrown in the deep end through mass injuries and now look at him he's, he's their main man so many years later it could well happen for newcastle too do you think aaron if tina Levermento was given a chance let's say kieran trippier picks up an, an injury and he's out for four games Levermento comes in does absolute wonders will eddie howe stick with Livermento or will he go back to his trusted attendant and, and kind of say, well, I need his experience, I need his leadership or, because we have seen Eddie Howe make the tough calls, he's not afraid to make those tough calls but also we, we, we know how he does like that leadership group and he likes his his trusted players around him. Yeah, there's make the tough calls and then there's dropping Kieran Trippier which just seems like... You but, know, it wouldn't, but would it be dropping, if Livermento was on form, is it dropping Kieran Trippier? Yeah. 
It is. To drop any cast out of the team. I mean, have we actually seen any cast United without either Trippier or Sells playing at the same time? I'm not sure if we have. Um, look, it, it's it's a hard one because you've got you know Kieran Trippier, who is the main man. He's the leader. He's the captain whenever he plays. And now you, as we as we, you know, right, you're talking about you've got this young gun who did fantastic things at Southampton and, and could quite easily walk into most Premier League teams. So. It's going to be very interesting to see what he does. And, and you know, Trippier's now got to up his game even more now that he's got some proper competition behind him. Yeah, Jacob Murphy could be another surprise package. He was brilliant last season, but can he step it up again? He's, he impressed over the weekend. A lot of people not writing him off for a start against Aston Villa. We're going to need a team of about 17, um, in all fairness. Peter, who do you want to see more from? I'm going to say Joe Willick straight off the bat. I've already explained why you need to see more goals from Joe Willick. What about you, Peter? Who, who who are you picking for that one? Um, ooh. we need to see. We need to see more from Anthony Gordon. We need to see more goals from him. Um, I genuinely believe that if if he if he can put his chances that, that are created for him in the net, I, I can see Gordon getting anywhere between seven and ten goals this season. I'm just going to add that to, to, to the list. That's what 85 goals now. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, we need goals from everywhere in the team. We do, we do. Aaron, have you seen more from? Um, yeah, Gordon. Gordon for me would, would definitely be up there. I think you know he would have been my pick for surprise package. I think he'll have a really good season if he could carry on going. Um, I would actually like to see more of Alex Murphy. I hope he gets a shot this season. I, I, I wouldn't be too. Bothered if they didn't go out and buy another centre back as long as he was given time. Um, yeah, I'll I'll go Gordon. Anthony Gordon. There we go. Let's talk a bit about Eddie Howe then, and how he'll do next season. Obviously, he's loved. Uh, everyone's looking forward to the Amazon documentary to get a bit more insight into how Eddie Howe works. It is a big, big season for him, though. I mean, Champions League football. It's not something he's had uh, prior to manage Newcastle United and you have as well. I don't like to use the word too often, but there is a bit of expectation now, you know, from, from the owners as well as the fans. I don't think, you know, you'll be under pressure at all, even if Newcastle go on, on a bad run. But it is something new for him, Pete. How do you think he's going to handle it? I think he's going to handle the expectation exactly how he's handled the previous two seasons. Newcastle United, I, I don't see any difference from him. There was pressure when he came in and we were sitting rock bottom of the Premier League. There was pressure on him to perform last season um, uh, to improve on, on what we'd already done. Um, I, I fully expect Eddie Howe to embrace the expectation. Um, Eddie Howe wants to be one of the best managers in, in, in this country. Um, he wants to be a top, top manager. And, and he knows full well that there's going to be pressure on him. But the way the way he goes about his business, whether it's in the media or whether it's you know with players, interviews, and I'm sure we'll see a lot more about it, as you mentioned in the Amazon documentary. I'm just so impressed with him. He's everything that I thought he was going to be. I wanted him a year before we even signed him because I just look at the way he goes about his business as a manager and as a person, and I just think he's perfect for it. He's perfect for us if we have a little dip to get us back to where we need to be. He's perfect for maintaining... Um, our standards, and he's perfect for keeping us humble when we're doing really, really well. Um, so I think he'll be able to navigate us through whatever waters come 
throughout this season. And I've got my 100% full trust in Eddie Howe um, to steer us in the right direction. Um, there is no concerns from me whatsoever. And what I really like about Howe is he doesn't rest on his laurels. He's not looking at what was achieved last season in a cup final and top four and thinking, I've made it here. Previous Newcastle managers too spring to mind, which I'm not going to name. You guys can probably guess who I'm talking about. Would be like running down Northumberland Street asking for the key to the city. But Eddie Howe just wants to do more. He realises the job's not done and he's got to keep improving and improving. And you know, Aaron, he just cannot wait for Saturday and he cannot wait for the Champions League nights and he's just going to embrace it. But he's always going to be learning and he's always looking to go to that next level. Yeah, I do feel a bit for his wife and kids because I feel like he just never switches off. He probably can't enjoy a holiday with them because he's just thinking about who they're going to sign and who they're going to start at Villa now. You know, I, I agree with everything you've said. He's the absolute ultimate professional. He hasn't put a foot wrong. He's, you know, a fantastic statesman for the club. But still, you know, nearly two years on after signing, I'm still waiting to see how he can pull Newcastle United out of a dip because we haven't seen it. You know, there hasn't been this period where they've lost four or five in a row. And I mean, that's obviously testament to him and the players. But I'm just wondering, you know, when the chips are down, when they're fighting on four fronts, when maybe it's not going so well and you've got this immense pressure that's going to come from a Saudi ownership who want to be number one, you know, we're still yet to see how he reacts. And But, you know, again, that's because of how successful he's been. You know, he hasn't been a victim of his own success. But that's the one thing I'm just a little bit wary of is that we haven't seen this Newcastle United team go through a single blip under him, really. I'm intrigued to see how the, the kind of the unification between the, the fan base like in support of Eddie Howe holds out this season. I've got no doubt it will do because, as you mentioned, Darren, kind of, I mean, I suppose the only real dip we saw was in the weeks leading up to the cup final. And I mean, you know, we're talking about that. I mean, how much of a dip was it really? Yeah. Yes, the form was off. They weren't playing their best football, but it's not like they were getting beat and beat and beat and, you know, sliding down the table. Mm. And I think just on that, you know, if that happens and all of a sudden, you know, we start to see any Cassie United that are, are struggling to manage all the competitions, it, I'm struggling to think of a manager with more credit in the bank with supporters than Eddie Howe. Yeah. He will be given time if things don't go start going as well. Oh, 100%. You know, absolutely, you will. And before people start writing in and saying, are you saying fans are going to turn? I'm not no, at no, all. No, no, I, I'm, I'm not. saying yeah. the fans will back him 100% because there's that relationship there between them that a lot of managers don't have. You know, you, you, Even the most talented managers, some of them do not have the connection that Eddie Howe seems to have with the Newcastle United fan base. He gets it. He understands it. And they will back him because inevitably, and I'm sorry to say this, there will be a bad run of form this season. It's going to happen because of all the games they've got to play. Uh, but when that does happen, I think either fans will back him. I think the owners will as well. We're talking about, obviously, they want to be number one. We saw Al Romani's interview. That's the expectation. But despite all that and all the money that's been spent, I don't know about you, I just feel it's going to be ran differently to how many people expect it to be. I don't think the first really bad run of form, he'll start, you'll find Eddie Howe under pressure. I think he's got the backing of that ownership and it, I just think it's going to be handled differently. I agree. I agree 100%. Um, this ownership are fully behind Eddie Howe. They believe in him. They want him to be the long-term manager at Newcastle United. Um, so, you know, you're right. We haven't had that sustained period of, uh, of defeats or negativity um, and I'm sure when it happens, there'll be people in the national media that are not attached to Newcastle or or, or kind of you know, right on Newcastle that will jump on that. 
because they want to try and um, allow cracks to appear. But we as a fan base can't get dragged into that. Um, uh, and uh, I don't believe Eddie Howe will get dragged into that either. He will he will put a, a, a shield over those players. He will rally them round and will build again. Um, every team has a down a downside or a down period at some point. Newcastle may not have had that yet. It may come at some point this season. Um, but it's it's all part of our growth. We will come out of it and we will be better for it. Um, and it's almost like you know we need it in order to kind of evolve and grow and develop as, as a as a club, as a squad, as a, as a team of players. So anyhow, for me. Um, will will navigate us through this, no problem whatsoever. Um, he, for me, he he has the lot as a manager. He has the lot, um, and and I'm fully confident in in any position that we're in that he can get us out of it. Well, we're talking about Newcastle fighting on four fronts and how difficult it's going to be. Now, this is going to be a you know a question that is asked among fans in the pub and on social media until the competitions start. In terms of the Champions League and Cup competitions, are you of the belief that Newcastle need to be doing everything they can to reach the top five next season so that they qualify for the Champions League again? Or are you one of those fans that thinks, you know, if we have a season that where we finish sixth or seventh or eighth, it doesn't matter as long as we have a decent go at the Champions League in one of those Cup competitions? Or are you like our colleague John Gibson who says, Shy Ben's getting out and you need to be going, you know, for all four? Um, yeah. Me and John are on the same page. Um, I I'm of the mindset that first and foremost, I'm of the mindset that we 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 don't just need to be competitive in the Premier League. I think we will be competitive in the Premier League this season. I think we're going to go toe to toe with some of these big clubs again, um, and I think we're going to go for it. And I think I think I think in my opinion. Um, Newcastle will be going not just for top five, although fifth could potentially get Champions League, they'll be going for top four again. I genuinely believe that. Um, I also think they're going to really attack, really, really attack um, the Champions League too. They're, they're going to go all out for both. They're going to want to get to the knockout stages. They're going to want to make a statement that this club is one of those clubs that is fighting in the knockout phases of the elite cup competition in European football. They're going to want to make that statement this season. Um, with the cup games, what you're going to find differently in comparison to last season is there may well be a shuffle. Um, and Newcastle fans may need to, particularly in the early rounds of the Carabao Cup, although we, we start late, I think we come in on the third round because we're in the Champions League. But for example, the FA Cup, fans may need to expect a, a reshuffled side not necessarily all the best players playing in the early rounds um, and not to be disheartened or disgruntled by that. We need to manage this team. There are times where this squad of players will need a rest. All the top teams do it. Then if you get to the latter stages, then the big guns come out because there's a trophy to fight for. I think that navigation can mean that we're competitive on all four fronts and it would allow us... Um, to really kind of let teams know that we're not going anywhere. Because let's face it, guys, if we're going to be at the top and where we want to be in the future, fighting for titles and trophies, we have to be able to navigate ourselves over four competitions, not just this season, but in the seasons to come. So this is going to be, in my opinion, our biggest learning curve this season. Can we navigate the four competitions? 
and how I've just kind of explained it is how I think it will go um, with Eddie Howe in, in his squad of players this year. Yeah, I think Eddie Howe's approach to it is that he knows winning games builds momentum and, and that will carry you through into the league and he's going to want to try and win every single game because it, it breeds confidence, doesn't it? And I think he'll attack every competition as best he can. Let's get on to some predictions then. Let's look at the Premier League as a whole, Pete. Let's start down at the bottom. Give me your three teams who are going to get relegated. Oh, um, I have to say, there's two that are kind of bankers in my eyes, and I apologise if any of the fans of those clubs are watching. Um, but um, I think Sheffield United are as good as gone. I've got a really good friend who's a who's a Sheffield United fan that is already planning for Championship football next season. <laughs> That's how bad his situation is as a Blades fan, um, and I actually think they'll they'll possibly finish bottom because they've lost their, all their big players and they're not even looking like they're going to replace them. Um, and then Luton, I think, will go down. I think, it, you know, they'll, they'll enjoy the experience, but it might just be a little bit too much. I'm... This is where it gets kind of interesting for me. Um, in, in our prediction show, I didn't use this team, but I'm actually going to say them because of what's happened in recent days in that I think Wolves could have a really difficult season this season and potentially be the third of, of those three. So I'm going to go, yeah, I'm going to go Sheffield United in this order, Sheffield United bottom, Luton and then Wolves. I'm going to go Everton because I just think it's a never-ending cycle. And I think it's going to have to end at some point. And I think Daish is a great manager, but it just keep going around in circles and off the field's not really being fixed. And I just don't think, I still think they're kind of picking up the pieces from just years of poor, poor management off the, off the pitch. So I think their time will come to an end next season. I'm going to go Wolves because of the gaffer's gone. For me, Julian uh, Lepotegui should have won manager of the season last season. What he did in that time he came in, I think they were bottom when he came in. And he ended up dragging up 12th or 11th. Absolutely superb. For me, he should have won Gaffer of the Year. So to see him go, I think, is obviously a massive blow uh, this close to this, this kickoff of the season as well. And they've sold some of their best players and they've not really brought any any players in, any replacements in. So yeah, Wolves and Sheffield United. I mean, what on earth are they doing? They're two best players down the road. Unbelievable. And, and I, do you know what, as well, just on um, Sander Berge going to, to Burnley, that's a fantastic signing. It shows you how well the likes of Elliot Anderson and Lewis Miley have done in this Newcastle United preseason that we're not sitting here saying Newcastle should be all over that because he's a top quality player. And for what, 15 million? Newcastle needed a centre midfielder. He would have done a fantastic job, but Newcastle United have the options. And as Aaron said, Anderson and uh, Miley have kind of closed the door, I think, on on the need for another midfielder. But yeah, they're my picks, Aaron. Um, yeah, similar picks. I think I think Sheffield United will, will really, really struggle. Luton, I think, will will give it a good shot, but I think they'll ultimately just not have enough quality. I think I think actually out of the three promoted teams, Burnley will do really well. I can see them being miles clear of it. Then for 18th, I think it's anyone's guess. I think, as you say, Wolves, you know, looks like they're going to appoint Gary O'Neill after Lopetegui goes. I think Everton, like you say, they can't keep clinging on and finishing 16th or 17th each season. But I also, I'm, I'm not too sure how Bournemouth will do either. So, um, so yeah, 
There's a couple that I think. Do you know what? I just written down on the paper there. He's picking seven teams, and he has. He's picked seven teams, Pete. <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, I, I, I think Luton because of the the home experience. I think they'll have enough. I think the kind of the momentum and the story will 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 see them get over the line, and then next season they'll get relegated. But this season, I think they'll, they'll have enough about them just because it's kind of that Hollywood script, isn't it? Um, what about then? The top six. Let's go from well, yeah. Let's go from six upwards for you, Peter. Who's finishing? Who's finishing sixth? And then on you go. Um, Chelsea sixth, Man United fifth, Newcastle fourth, Arsenal third, Liverpool second. Man City champions. Interesting. I don't disagree with you, Man City top. What's really interesting is like the national pundits have all kind of written your castle off. You know, they're not going to finish in the top four and what have you. But when you look around at, 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 at the teams who are going to apparently bounce back, we said on Monday show, I mean, Chelsea just still looks like a chaotic club. I can't see them, you know, getting anywhere near the top four. It's not certainly not going to be a, a straight walking like some are predicting. Tottenham. I mean, look, I wish the manager very well because I'd, I like to see kind of the underdog, but they're not going to get top four, surely. Arsenal, I think, will finish second. I I think Newcastle genuinely have a, a, an opportunity to finish third. I'm not worried about Manchester United. I think Newcastle and United are kind of on that same level. Uh, I think Newcastle have probably bought better than them this summer. Liverpool, it's an interesting one. Do you know what? Bull predictions... Klopp will not be Liverpool manager next season. I, I think I think he's gonna st- oh. I think the rot set and I don't think he'll actually stay out the season. I the, he may do as a kind of a farewell, like Cluffy did at Forest. I'm not saying Liverpool are getting relegated, of course, but yeah. I, I, I I I I can see this ending badly for him. I don't know if they've bought all that well. I mean, look, McCaster from Brighton's a great player, but they're on a re- rebuilding job, aren't they? Of course, they haven't got Champions League, so that'll aid them. But it's a big task to rebuild. A bit like Chelsea, they've got a big rebuilding job. I can't see them. I know you've put them second, but for me, no. I think they'll be fifth. So I'll go Man City, Arsenal, Newcastle, Manchester United, Liverpool, and then Brentford. Oh, do you know what? We forgot Villa as well, because I tell you what, Aston Villa are going to be the surprise package of the Premier League. I forgot Villa. Don't think they get top four, but it wouldn't surprise us if they got fifth or sixth. Yeah, I think Villa, Villa it depends how, how they deal with that European football. Um, He's a master at it though, isn't he? Like yeah, that's, his, that's what he does. I'm still thinking about one, yeah. Aaron's, Aaron's going to give you the top six, but he's going to give you 12 names. No, so just I'm, bear with I'm him. Gonna, I'm, <laughs> gonna, I'm going to stick to, to six, and I'm going to say... I think Liverpool will really struggle. Um, I think Tottenham will do better than people think. I think Brighton will... F- I'll go with... Brighton sixth, Tottenham fifth, Man United fourth, and Castle, I think, will finish third. Also second, City first. Brighton's the interesting one. Obviously, they keep selling the players and then they bring more in. I mean, Deserby is a man who could quite easily find himself in a, in a with all due respect, a, a bigger job come 
come January continues. Well, yeah, there you go. Yeah, there you uh, go. it's going to be interesting how 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 Brighton do. So we're all agreeing City win the Premier League, and we're all agreeing Newcastle qualify for the Champions League. Um, just before we sign off, transfer window wise, Pete, of all the teams in the Premier League, all the new players who arrived, you know the teams. Is there is there a player that you really wish Newcastle had, had signed a realistic name uh, that you wish Newcastle had signed that you see move? Yeah, um, there's one player that I'm, I'm gutted that he's come to the Premier League for somebody else, and it's um, Musa Diaby, Aston Villa. Um, it was unloaded. We're all big fans of him. Um, I've watched him since he was uh, since he sort of made his debut at PSG, um, and then moved to Leverkusen. He is a super talented player, and he's already looked in preseason like he's going to light up the Premier League. Hopefully, not on Saturday, um, uh, but yeah, I, I, I would have loved him. He, you know, we've talked about the right hand side and and the needed to improve that area. If we'd have improved him and had Barnes, Gordon on the left, Miggy. The RB on the right, honestly, you look at that strength and power with Wilson and Isaac. You've got you've got two two strong front threes there that you could interchange however you wanted and really attack the big competitions with with, with force. Um, so yeah, that's probably the one for me that stands out. I'm, I'm guessing now you're going to agree with that. Yeah, I, I really, really did want him last summer. I wanted him this summer. Um, I've got an Aston Villa support mate who's kindly offered me a little small wager on who scores more goals, Barnes or Diaby, and it's it's paid me to take that bet because you know I do think Diaby will do really well at Villa. But um, yeah, I think he was the one we saw it last summer. It was a huge link, such a talent, and he's already had a very, very good preseason with Villa. So yeah, I'm sure that didn't want to get over line. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how. He does, but just as well, I think Newcastle bought very, very well. Like when you look around the rest of the Premier League, and obviously Declan Rice to Arsenal, I think I think will be a, it will be a very, very good move and some of that really good business. But I'm very happy with what Newcastle have done. A couple more in, I would still like a a, a third choice striker. Aaron's going to slap us in the in the in the head in a second because I keep mentioning this every episode. Um, and maybe maybe a left back. I wouldn't be too disappointed if they finish with Matt Target and Dan Byrne. Uh, you know, finish the window with with those two. They can they can do a job. We didn't get your predictions for the cup comps, uh, Pete. How are Newcastle going to fare in the Champions League and the two cup competitions? Um, obviously, it all depends on draws um, and, and who we pick out. But I, I do see I do see Newcastle. I do see us getting through the not um, the group phase into the knockout phases. I do see us getting through that. Um, lighting up the lighting up St James's Park and really creating a a cauldron of an atmosphere like we we're used to that a lot of clubs will be coming to us not expecting or not being able to cope with. Um, Carabao Cup, uh, I do expect us to get to at least the quarterfinals. Um, obviously, draw dependent, and the FA Cup just pass the third round, please, please. Just pass the third round. <laughs> I can't take it any walk around that third round cup competition. So look, just get anywhere close to the yeah. Let, let's get a trip to Wembley semi final. Come on, let's get this the trip to Wembley, please. I, I think Newcastle will get to a final. Yeah. I do. I think Newcastle will return to Wembley in the final. If the FA are listening, if you could move the semi finals from Wembley, that would be great because a semi final at Wembley is the top of my list of annoyances when it comes to football. <laughs> I mean, what is the point in that? 
Do you know what I mean? It's meant to be a special day. You were there a month ago on back again. Anyway, but yeah, cup final for Newcastle. I'd love it to be the FA Cup. I don't think it will be. I think it'll be the Carabao Cup. Will they win it? Here's hoping. Champions League, I agree. They'll get through the group stages and then it's, it's you know, who, who you draw really. Um, Aaron? Uh, I think, look, I'm going I'm to go the opposite way. I think Carabao Cup this season, just if I'm completely honest, I think just sacking off as more important things. I would love them to have a really good run in the FA Cup. I think I would like them. That's the competition I want them to go deep in. Um, just get through the Champions League group stage. Just give us at least one knockout competition, please. And, it, and you know, failing that, if you're not going to get through group stage, please finish third. So that would at least have a little crack at the Europa. Um, I just don't want us to finish bottom of the group. So have we got a blinkers on? Because when we talk about teams going into Europe, we often then say the, the impacts on the on the league. We saw it when Newcastle were last in Europe under Alan Pardew and the terrible league season they had then. But we're all sitting here saying, you know what, they're gonna do fine. We've got them finishing third and getting to Wembley. Have we got our Newcastle United spectacles on, Pete? Or do we I mean, me personally, I genuinely do think they've got a good enough squad to handle on all, all four fronts, there'll be blips, but I think they'll be they'll be they'll be grand. For, for yourself, are, are you? Is there a bit of Newcastle bias there? Or is it a genuine belief they can they can manage it all? Um, yeah, I, I'd say there's an element of uh, of those blinkers on to a, to a, to a point, but I think we've earned the right to have that. Um, I, I, I've got full confidence in our ownership. I've got full confidence in our management team. I've got full confidence. In what these group of players are, are producing on the pitch, to to think that we that we can do it, that we can maintain it. As I said, it, we might have to navigate that slightly with the cups to be able to rest players and give players a rest of their fighting on, like fighting at hundred percent for the league and, and Champions League. But why not? We've had so many years of of not being confident in ourselves that why not be confident now? Well, we've proven that that, that we can fight amongst these these big boys. Um, so yeah, maybe some blinkers on, but um, why not? Yeah, exactly. Why not indeed? Just before then, I get you, Peter, to sign off your kind of season prediction in a sentence or so. Let us let our listeners and viewers know where they can find you in the loaded mag, guys. Of course. Um, thank you very much. Um, you can find us um, on, on all socials, but in particular um, Twitter, where we. Um, promote and push our shows um, at Loaded Mag NUFC. Um, all the boys, um, uh, you can find us on YouTube um, at Loaded Mag NUFC. Uh, we are so close to getting 6K subscribers um, just in the couple of years that we've been doing a little bit of content. So uh, for anyone that hasn't listened to our content, please feel free to come and subscribe um, and join the fantastic Loaded community um, as we uh, grow the channel. So, yeah. You can find us talking about all things Newcastle United. The, Aaron's not the only one that, that gives a list of four, five, six or sevens <laughs> in, in conversations. There's a few of ours uh, and our, our resident staff who tends to do it a lot. Uh, so, yeah, uh, you're not the only one, Aaron, so don't worry. Good. You know, that sits on the fence. <laughs> Go on then, Pete. Sign off by just summing up what this season will bring for Newcastle United. Um, this season, I think, will bring excitement it will bring entertaining football and it will bring special moments, um, in particular with the Champions League. Um, I'm really looking forward to this season, uh, probably more than any season I've looked forward to in the last 20. Um, 
So uh, I cannot wait for this season to get started. We've got a great bunch of players, a fantastic manager and super owners that want the best for this club. So um, uh, get ready for another roller coaster ride um, of emotions. That's what I'll say. There we have it. Well, thank you to Pete for joining us on the Everything is Black and White podcast. And thank you guys for listening, uh, whether it's on the podcast or whether you're watching on YouTube. Wherever you are, just hit that subscribe button, leave us a rate and review if you're listening and give the thumbs up on the YouTube channel. Head over to chroniclelive.co.uk for all the latest Newcastle United news. And for myself and Aaron, we shall see you very soon. Mm-hmm.